0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life and what next steps you need to take to get there. I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and I am so excited for this episode. We are talking about health and nutrition and wellness, and there is none better than our guest to walk us through this very important topic. She is E.C. Sinkowski. Now, she runs Optimize Me Nutrition, and the mission of her company is to provide solutions for anyone who wants to improve their weight, health, and overall well-being through sustainable diet methods. Now, you may have heard about her. Thousands of you have taken part in her 800-gram challenge, which we'll talk about in this conversation, but it's all about eating healthy and and when you do, you can report weight loss and increase energy, improve performance, and a whole lot more. Now, her background, man, it is impressive. She has extensive education in the life sciences, with a Bachelor of Science in Biochemical Engineering, also a, her first Master of Science in Environmental Sciences, a second Master of Science in Nutrition and Functional Medicine, and as a certified nutrition specialist, also a licensed dietitian nutritionist. Along with all that, EC has trained others for over 20 years and holds the Certified CrossFit Level 4 Coach Credential. So she has worked also as a project manager for CrossFit, authoring their course and program materials. And she's also done a lot of public speaking and is the host of her very own popular weekly podcast called The Consistency Project. Now, as we begin this conversation with EC, let's just think through all of us about what types of foods are we consuming every single day? What types of food is in our pantry? When we go into the grocery store, what types of foods are we buying? I think we can all agree that it's more difficult than ever to eat well, and to do so, you need to be really intentional. So as we're listening to EC, let's think about where the one or two things that we can improve. It doesn't have to be 10 things, but it can just be maybe one thing that can make all the difference in our diet and our lifestyle. So now, without waiting any further, welcome to the episode, everyone. And here is E.C. Sinkowski. E.C., welcome. It is great to have you on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on.
0: E.C., you've got a very interesting background, and not only in nutrition, but also in the area of CrossFit. Tell us a little bit about you, and how did you determine and land where you are right now?
1: Well, you kind of gave my current credentials. So I I am a licensed dietitian nutritionist. I do run my current company, but I I would say my background looks a little bit more like a Jackson Pollock painting than a clear linear shot. Um, So I did work in environmental consulting for years after my bachelor's in biochem engineering and a first master's that was more focused in environmental science. And then that segued into a career with uh, CrossFit corporate for many years, designing and implementing their program. So that's obviously where kind of nutrition became a little bit more on the professional side besides just my own interest. And that's also where I started my master's in nutrition, my second master's, because I had to do some continuing education requirements that we had uh, for staff. And I was like, well, this is interesting. It kind of dovetails. Well, let's do it. So that ultimately then became, you know, what I wanted to do and it led to my resignation there and then me starting my own company. So kind of a few twists and turns, but it sounds like many people have that.
0: <laughs> Whoa, that is a big step. I mean, you starting your own company and, and that's, that's really a crossroads for you.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, my time at CrossFit was great. I was there during some of the exponential growth time actually started with CrossFit in various capacities back in 2006. So I was there for all of this organic growth. And then I got brought on full-time during some of its exponential growth. And it was just great in the sense of so many different things happening all the time. And being at a smaller startup, uh, you learn a lot of different things and wear many hats, but by the time at the end of my tenure, I just knew I needed a new challenge and change professionally. It had gotten a little bit too steady state. So, combined with doing the master's in nutrition and liking the topic a lot, I I was like, oh, this is it. Let me do it. Now, in full disclosure, I actually started my nutrition company with a business model that I decided I didn't want to do. So there was a little bit of oopsie there (laughs) to then get back on course to what I'm doing now with it. yeah. You
0: know, there may be a lot of people listening. In fact, I know there are that are thinking about making that career change. They've done really, really well in their vocation but they may be thinking about doing something different, either full-time or uh, on the side. What did you learn through it, EC?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a period of time after I started my business and realized this isn't for me because I was trying to do one-on-one con- um, coaching and some functional medicine stuff. And I was like, oh my God, th- this isn't it. And so I then started applying to a whole bunch of different jobs because I had, you know, background in other things, operations, product, of course, engineering and I applied for probably 200 jobs or something like that, you know, and and nothing was taking. And I guess you could say I was a slow learner, but I think it's kind of just recognizing, okay, this is what I want to do. Don't try to, uh, don't try to, you know, say that's not what you want to do. If you truly know, like, I want to be in nutrition, you just haven't figured out the right model or the right fit. You have to kind of keep working, not, not give it up entirely.
0: I think that's great advice. You know, it's easy to do, isn't it? When we Think about what's next for us and we can let these limiting beliefs stop us from taking those next steps.
1: Totally. Someone else said this to me and I really liked it. When you're an entrepreneur, business owner, it's kind of like living like a lo- with a lion in that the thread is always there, that your end is near, but eventually you kind of get used to it. <laughs> and so there's many times along the way, and I still have days where I'm like, why am I doing this again? Now those days are much less than they were, let's say four years ago. Um, but certainly, yeah, there's, there's always moments of like, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I didn't have any transformational experience with nutrition. You know, a lot of people who start their own company or something that they're truly passionate about. It's because they, it transformed their life. It, it really didn't for me. It, it wasn't something that, yes, I've changed my nutrition over year the years and it's gotten more in line with what I think is effective for sure. But I didn't have this thing of like I prevented some disease or I lost a lot of weight or anything like that. Like it just wasn't an issue for me, but I really do love the challenge of making the complex simple. Um, that's been a, that's been something throughout my careers that, from even environmental consulting through some of my roles at CrossFit, how, how can we translate the science into very simple, effective things for people to do? Like, I love the science, but what do we have to do in practice to really create change, noticeable clinical change? And so I think nutrition um, has plenty of places that you can work on trying to simplify that for people.
0: Well, I love your approach on simplification. I think it's really needed. I have to tell you, for me, and maybe for those listening too, it can get really, really confusing out there as far as what to eat and what to, you know, what's the latest diet and the fad and it's everywhere. And it seems like on the internet, there's always a different philosophy on what to do. So I'm confused. And is it just me?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's kind of a two-part answer. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about the 800 gram challenge. If somebody just wants to get started on something, there's a very simple diet approach that I just recommend people add fruits and vegetables, and then we can go from there. But the longer answer to end the confusion, I think really comes down to people have to understand principles, not methods. And this is actually was the basis of a talk I did for Ignite Boulder, which is kind of a a geeky type of short talk. They're about five minutes with self-advancing slides, but I stole it from a quote, um, from Emerson, but it's basically, there are so many different methods out there. Methods in this case would be the diets, low carb, low fat Mediterranean, paleo, keto carnivore, you name it. Those are the methods, but when you do one of those diets and you experience a favorable change, what is the underlying principle for why that occurred? And so I came up with 10 principles of nutrition to outline what's really going on, on the physiological and even a psychological level that are controlling our outcomes. And so we first need to understand principles because then you can select successfully select your own method. Once I understand that calories matter and that macronutrients control my body composition, and that I need all of the micronutrients for health and that it doesn't matter when I eat during the day. All of these principles, none of them actually mention a single food to eat. They're more of a conceptual theory. And once you understand that roadmap, hopefully that's the whole of my, my intent with my master class is that people then can select what works for them instead of sort of this wild jumping around from, like I said, keto to paleo or whatever it is, you're not understanding how those diets are actually more similar than different when they are um, effective for the individual.
0: So it feels like though, that through it all, regardless of whatever we're talking about, consistency is a really fundamental point.
1: Yeah, it is. Principle seven is sustainability is the most important factor for diet selection. Um, You know, we need somebody to be able to stick to their nutrition in the long-term to see any significant results. I mean, great if you lose 10 pounds for some upcoming event, But if you just put it right back on you know, the month later, what did we really do? It's sort of just a wash in terms of your health and even performance. And so we wanna make sure that we have these changes in the long-term. And so a big part of how I try to approach nutrition for people is I try to scale it in a consistent way, a sustainable way and therefore a consistent way so that we can actually get long-term changes.
0: Okay, with all that being said then, what what do you think in your own experience, what gets in people's way? What gets in our own way from really making a sustainable change, uh, changes in our life?
1: Yeah, and all of this stuff is true for me too. So I I don't like to pretend that I'm just observing all these other people who don't know how to do it. (laughs) Um but yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of things working against us. Um, you know, our food environment is not favorable to making the right decisions. And it comes in so many ways. First of all, it's just all around us constantly from every social event to every store. I mean, you can go buy a TV and for some reason you have the option to buy a like a candy bar at the checkout. It's just completely crazy, right? So it's everywhere. It's cheap. It's relatively inexpensive and it makes us feel good. We get a dopamine release from this heavy calorie burden. Um, and so there's so many things that are going against us actually making the right decision. So I think that's a lot of it. But I think the other part is people... People want to start at perfect or people want to start at extreme or they want to start at the end state, you know, starting with a small change, isn't really sexy or appealing. It's like, oh my God, this is going to take eight months to lose. I don't know, 20, 30 pounds. What do you mean? Can't I just do that in a month? And so I find that people kind of keep jumping between these extreme elimination diets, these shakes that they have to do or very low, very low calorie diets, and then just falling off the wagon. They're just kind of swinging back and forth between the two extremes instead of that kind of slow, sustainable change in the middle. That's really going to get them the results they
0: want. Well, you bring up a great point there. I mean, how, how do we stay patient enough to see the changes we want to see that that's where we all fall down right we it's not coming fast enough we're not seeing the results we want so my paradigm is that boy we need more accountability is that is that it we just need more accountability
1: um you know, I do think nutrition's a little bit different than some other things. You know, I always give the example of taxes just because it's an easy one for me. Like, I am not good at taxes. Every year I ask my accountant what the deductible is. He probably is like this woman, you know, <laughs> how is she running a business? That is something I could truly outsource. Here's the papers, go do it, come back when it's done. Nutrition is not like that. You can get a coach, and I'm a coach. I help people change their nutrition. Well, I hope I help people change their nutrition. And that can help kind of provide some motivation, but nutrition is constant in our lives. We have to do it. And it's it's at least, you know, three meals a day. And like I said, our food environment's around us all the time. That really for true success, you're going to have to develop self-accountability. There is no sort of somebody's just going to follow you for the rest of your life in nutrition. Like I said, we can outsource things like cleaning the house or I don't know, like I said, taxes. We can't outsource nutrition. And so I think a lot of times people are continually looking for external Accountability, And like I said, certainly there are some time for some coaches or maybe restart the uh, process a little bit, give a little bit of motivation, but ultimately there is some point of just wanting external accountability that really is subcontracting out your responsibility. And so we have to have people realize that about nutrition, that ultimately because of this constant presence in our life, it is up to them.
0: Well, you see, I've heard a lot about the 800-gram challenge. I've got a lot of friends who are telling me about it. It's everywhere. What is the 800-gram challenge, and how does it fit into your overall approach on nutrition?
1: So the principles are kind of the why, and then all these different methods, like I mentioned, these different diets are the how. Like, okay, great, calories matter. What, what the heck do I do in the kitchen on Monday morning, right? And so my 800-gram challenge is kind of the first step for people to apply the principles, and it's to eat 800 grams by weight. Of fruits and vegetables of their choice a day. And then they continue to eat whatever else they want. So, you know, they have their protein foods, their wine, dark chocolate, whatever it is, but they have these 800 grams of fruits and vegetables. And the whole idea well, there's a bunch of different themes to it, but of course, that's a healthy daily dose of fruits and veggies. And it tends to then also help bring quantity in line because we tend to push out these calorically dense processed goodies we love by, you know, filling up on these low calorie fruits and veggies that are good for us. But I wanted something that, you know, I'm not the first person to recommend fruits and vegetables. You know, there's plenty of other people that have been saying this for years. So this isn't really rocket science. What's different about the 800 gram challenge is I allow a lot of flexibility and autonomy from the user. You know, when you go to the USDA and you look at their fruit and vegetable recommendations, they've got six different categories. And in each category, every week, you need to add up to a different amount. So you have to know, you know, is corn a starchy vegetable or does it fall in the other category? And it's just like, I like what they're trying to do. They're trying to encourage diversity of choices, but you know it's so removed from what anybody is doing on a daily basis in the kitchen. So it's like, let's not worry about that. Let's understand that across time, people are gonna start making different selections because they don't wanna eat just watermelon every day and um, just encourage diversity and have this sort of metric to hit every day that allows some of the user preferences, but also helps them get this healthy dose of fruits and veggies.
0: Okay, I'm going to speak on behalf, EC, of the thousands listening. Uh, they've got this objection, and it's, it's, I'll own it. It's mine as well. Sounds good, but I travel a lot. I'm really busy, and because I'm traveling, I just, I just can't make this thing work. So coach me. You would say what to me?
1: I would say that's baloney because I travel, well, maybe not in the last pandemic years, but I've traveled a lot as well. And airports have really come a long way. It's, it's hard not to be able to find a banana and apples and oranges if you look to it. And so this was some of the flexibility about the 800-gram challenge is, you know, people have this idea that every day has to be all this um, locally sourced kale and, you know, homegrown cabbage or something like that. When in reality is having a couple of bananas at the airport instead of the Cinnabon or whatever else it is, is a much better decision and very healthy. So maybe you aren't going to have this perfectly diverse amount of, you know, all these different fruits and vegetables, your travel day, but you certainly can do it. There's plenty of options. Um, I would say the only travel that gets a little bit hairy are either long haul, like across the U.S. sometimes. That, that gets a little tough, but airports are pretty easy or long haul flights. You know, if you're 18 hours, there's only so much food you can bring with you. Right. So um, you're subject to kind of what's there and what's in the airport sometimes internationally.
0: Gosh. So here's another objection. 800 grams. Uh, confusing. Right. When out and about or in the kitchen, how do I know what 800 grams is?
1: Yeah. So. I do recommend that people weigh it, um, just a home scale. There, there is something, you know, we can weigh food for other information later if we progress past the 800 gram challenge. So literally, you know, you peel the orange, you put it on the scale, you see it's 200 grams and then you add it towards your total that day. Um, that also helps with estimating on the road. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good at estimating because I've done that so much. So when people are, get a little confused, how would I do this at the restaurant without bringing the scale? Well, we do it by practicing at home and then you end up being pretty accurate. That being said, I am, I am real. I know that not everyone is going to do that. And so the way to estimate the 800-gram challenge is an adult closed fist is about one cup. And so 800 uh-huh. grams ends up being about six cups. So if you kind of think I need six fists a day of things, the one exception is leafy greens. They, they are too light to really be the same amount of weight of other things. And so you just add those in as whatever, but kind of six fists a day of other things, as many leafy greens as you want, and you'll get to 800 grams.
0: All right. So what have you seen then, EC, and overall sustainable behavior change and also lifestyle change. Uh, What have you seen with the people you're working with?
1: Yeah, so that, you know, the 800-gram challenge has the ability to affect a bunch of principles. We can change calories, which is principle one. We can change macros, principle two. We can change quality, principle four, anyway. But going on the sustainability route, that is something that I, you know, to be honest, I know I designed it that way, but it's actually been some of the most positive feedback I've gotten that it really flips the script on dieting, right? Cause every time you think about a diet, the first thing people think about is what do I have to give up? <laughs> exactly. And so in this case, we're saying, no, you don't have to give up anything. You just pick the fruits and veggies you want, make sure you hit that total and continue to eat whatever else you want. Now it's not fail safe. If you continue to have a pint of ice cream every night on top of the 800 gram challenge, because that's allowed, you probably won't see the weight results that you want, but most people find that, you know, it's just so freeing to think about what's adding and then still have some ice cream, but kind of, they end up reaching for fruits and veggie choices a little bit more, and that's how they positively progress, and especially weight goals, but also performance and health.
0: So EC, how do we get more involved? If we're listening to this and we're thinking, you know what, this is something I could really implement in my life. It's also a philosophy I really want to get my arms around and be part of. How do we get more involved with the 800-gram challenge?
1: Sure. Well, I do have plenty of free info on my website and my social media. Um, the concept is free to use. It's, it's just a registered trademark for marketing purposes or for people to use in commerce. I do also have a 30 day simple program where people kind of get a daily email and a, and a course to log into. And basically what I've put in that content is the answer to all the frequently asked questions I get about the 800 gram challenge. You know, isn't this too much sugar from fruit? Isn't this too many carbohydrates? What about the glycemic index? You know, uh, which fruits and veggies are best or better, all of that stuff. And so the idea was to, give people some, I would say five to seven minutes of education each day while they're implementing this habit for 30 days. And the idea wasn't at the end of 30 days, oh, I'm done with the 800 gram challenge. The idea was, okay, now I know enough about why I'm doing this and I've done it for long enough that I can continue it indefinitely. So there's a short program there that people can do if they'd like, but like I said, there's also plenty of free info on my site about what counts and doesn't what does a day look like and all of that stuff.
0: What I love about this, though, it is just liberating and so empowering and thinking about this differently. But my question is fairly obvious. Why? Why have more people not embrace this and done this? Um, I, it may be an obvious question, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is our food environment. That stuff is around us. It tastes good, you know, and we're already living to like mid seventies. I think it's currently 76 with comorbidities. Like we're, we're doing pretty well as a pretty unhealthy population. And even modern medicine has been able to help us mitigate that. So, you know, it's a really tough sell. It's, we're trying to sell somebody it's kind of like investing for retirement. How do you encourage people to set themselves up for later in life? It's the delayed gratification. It's the same idea here. So I think it's hard to incentivize people to do it. Um, And and that was some of it too. I I wanted to get some buy-in by letting people not have to give it up and and just to get started on the stuff that they like. And they're like, I only like potatoes and strawberries. It's like, great, run with it and go. Because we have so many other competing forces out there that are going against people to make the wrong decision. Um, And even just the logistics and busyness of life. And so I think that's a lot of what's, I can't think of anything that's really, (laughs) really helping people go in the right direction compared to all of the things that are going in the wrong direction.
0: Let's talk about some of the the macro trends we're seeing in societal trends, uh, healthcare around chronic disease and life expectancy. And how can this notion of diet and lifestyle, I mean, how, how can that really help change the trajectory? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, the good news is I think we can do it relatively simple. Like, I don't think the 800 gram challenge is perfect. We certainly can make also your diet more complicated with more steps beyond that but I mean, not smoking, losing excess weight, eating fruits and vegetables, sleeping enough exercise. I mean, these are the things, you know, that are on every single government website, USDA and IH, CDC, or what, what they recommend for diet and lifestyle. The problem is no one is doing them, but yet seven out of 10 people are dying each year of chronic diseases that are largely preventable for, through diet and lifestyle. And so I did a podcast on this. To me, it's sort of an opportunity cost lost. You know, it's, We have all of this money and resources and time, including research going in to try to solve this chronic disease epidemic when it's sort of like, wow, if we could get all of these basic practices in place, we would have all that time, money, and resources to put on all these other things, um, make healthcare more accessible, um, look at some things that are these rare genetic disease type stuff. And so to me, it's just um, resources lost for something where we already have the solution.
0: Well, it sounds simple enough. Well, then let's, (laughs) let's, then let's just go change our habits, EC. This this is simple, right?
1: I think they're underestimating how difficult habit change is for people. I, I work with people on educating <laughs> habit change. <laughs> It's not easy. It's not easy. We don't just like all of a sudden we're mad, you know successful on day one and it just continues off into the sunset, you know, for the rest of time. It's these concepts I like to talk about pressure and dose, meaning we have to figure out something that's a significant enough change that will actually see results for the person and accumulate over time. Like if we just say every morning, you know, we're going to ask that you have a bite of a strawberry and we're going to continue that for four months to make sure it's a habit well, they're not going to see results quickly from that and they're going to want to give it up, right? But conversely, if I were to say, well, you're going to do 800 grams of fruits and vegetables tomorrow and right now you're probably at 100 grams and you have to be perfect with it, they'll probably also be intimidated in the other way, even though that will drive positive change. So it's kind of this tug between what is the most I can push this person without them giving up (laughs) and that's the art of coaching. Um, you know, I do more group coaching now than one-on-one coaching, but that's how I set up my programs that it's, we start with adding things to the diet first by fruits and vegetables. The second step is adding protein. Then we take a final comprehensive look at the diet. If we get there, because it's like, what is this pull between how, what can I add that actually results in some changes for you, but is also sustainable. So I don't have a great answer for you, but it's for the individual. I like this analogy of, if you're thinking of how difficult the goal is on a scale of one to 10, you probably want it to be around a seven, something where you're like, I can do that, but it's not so easy that you're doing it today.
0: You see, we have so many people who listen to this podcast that are actively pursuing their big goals or they're thinking about it. And we, we really love to learn from others. You clearly have done a lot so far in your life and I bet you've got a learning or two. So if you had a chance to go back in time to talk to your 18 year old self, there she is on the sidewalk, you go up to her, you put your arm around her. What advice would you give her? Because I think we can learn something from that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be something like trust your gut or trust your instincts. You know, have have belief that you can do it and go for it.
0: This has been fascinating, EC. How, how do we learn more about you? How do we follow you and the projects that you're working on? Where do we go?
1: Yeah, social media, Optimize Me Nutrition. That's the handle on Instagram and Facebook, optimizemenutrition.com. And then as you mentioned, my podcast is The Consistency Project.
0: Thank you, EC, for spending this kind of time with us. You know, your background is is incredible uh, in the area of nutrition and health and wellness. And the fact you're able to take that and to break it down in really simple ways, and for what you're doing to help others like you are, it's really something to watch. So uh, thank you, EC, for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I had a good time.
0: Wow. I mean, E.C. Szymkowski, her background is incredible. And what I love most about her is she has the ability to break this down into really simple terms and actionable things that we can implement in our life. For some of you, 800-gram challenge might be something you want to pursue uh, for 30, 60, 90 days. And just go after it and just see what kind of benefits you have in your overall well-being, in your mind, and your health, and just try that. It's right there. And so I encourage you to do that and go to E.C.'s uh, Instagram page. At Optimize Me Nutrition, she's a great follow. Great tips and hints there. Also, you can follow me at Darren Johnson One on Instagram, and also be part of the I Dare You podcast community at I Dare You Pod. Now, if you like this episode, please do um, share this with your friends and family, and leave a review on Apple. Thank you for listening in to the I Dare You podcast, everyone. I appreciate you being here. I know you've got a lot of choices in podcasts, but I'm so glad you're choosing to spend your time right here. We'll see you next week.